Welcome back to the Gospel Gazing Podcast. My name is Wilson Van Hooser. The Gospel Gazing Podcast is where we continue to unpack the riches of the gospel of grace and apply it to all of the Christian life. So glad you're with us, maybe for the first time, maybe uh, for the second or third time. But if you haven't checked out our interview with Simon Devlin, Jonathan Hunt, and Zach Bird on the topic of artificial intelligence and church ministry, then you're definitely going to want to listen to that. Uh, it was actually a longer conversation. It's actually a conversation over an hour where I interviewed these three guys talking with them about the different areas of what's happening in the research of AI, how that affects academics, how it might affect Christian life in the church, and all these different things. Anyway, it's well worth listen, and uh, that was our previous episode with those men. But today, actually, I'm going to change the pace up again a little bit and talk about a very important topic, the topic of spiritual warfare. Now, one of the things on the Gospel Gazing podcast is that we believe that the gospel, according to Romans 1, 16, the gospel is the power of God. And it's, it's the power of God, as actually it says in the next verse, in verse 17, it's not the power of God just for a season of life, the gospel is the power of God for all seasons of life. And that's why we want to keep diving deeply into the riches of the gospel proclaimed in all of Scripture and to apply it in every season of life. One of those seasons, sometimes this is more prevalent, sometimes it's less prevalent, but really it's always happening, is this idea of spiritual warfare. So for actually for the next couple of episodes, we're going to be talking about spiritual warfare and the Christian life. When you read 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10, you hear this, or you read this. So to keep me, talking about Paul, to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, here it is, a thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Paul says, after that, three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is a great verse telling us what the experience of normal spiritual warfare is, how Satan attacks us in body and soul, particularly there, that verse seven, where it says, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me. I actually heard 
this story uh, a little while ago, and it's a story about Lieutenant Commander Michael Riley during the Gulf War when he had saved an entire battleship when he had ordered that a missile be shot down. But here's what was really interesting. On the battleship's radar, when you were looking at the radar and you saw this object coming toward the battleship, on the radar, it looked exactly like one of their own planes. And kind of in a weird series of events, when Michael Riley was trying to figure out, is this a plane or is it a missile? Somehow he just discerned that it was a missile and he ordered that it be shot down. And thank goodness he did because it saved the lives of so many people. I mean, could you imagine that pressure of you're in charge of all these people and you're trying to discern between is this friendly or is this foe? What's actually really fascinating in this study of Michael Riley is really it was him spending years and years studying these things where then he was able to make the right call and save so many lives. And that's really how we need to think about spiritual warfare. Satan, when he attacks us and when his army attacks us, very rarely is it up front, very obviously him. He, he, he is known as the angel of light. He loves to pretend like he is on God's side so that we can listen to him and then he'll lure us away from Christ. This is actually why the Puritan Thomas Brooks said this, the, there are four prime things that should be first and foremost studied. It's very interesting. What would you think those four things would be? Thomas Brooks says, number one, Christ. Secondly, the scriptures. Third, your own hearts. And then here's number four, Satan's devices. Thomas Brooks, who was a great pastor, a great theologian, he said the four main things, Christ, the scriptures, your own hearts, and Satan's devices are the things that should be studied. That's in his great book on precious remedies against Satan's devices, which is all about learning how does Satan tempt us to sin? How does Satan tempt us to not believe in the sufficiency of Christ and, and unmasking those temptations and helping us see how he is trying to harass us? And that's a, that's a big thing in the Christian life. You see, one of the things actually in the Christian life we need to remember is that when Jesus saves us, he plucked us out of the kingdom of Satan to bring us into his own kingdom. Now, when you think about that in a war context, well, if you're taken out of one army and placed into another, and then you're fighting against your old army, yeah, I don't think uh, your new enemy is going to like that. So you better believe that Christians are absolutely going to be attacked. Now, It'd be a whole other episode to me to talk about what does it mean to be attacked. This is not one of those weird uh, voodoo type things. The spiritual warfare is actually very normal, uh, very everyday. And Paul shows us actually one of the seasons of his own life that appears to be lingering with him as he's 
writing this letter to the Corinthians where he says a thorn was given me in the flesh. Now this thorn, one person says this, the thorn refers to something that is pointed, almost like a stake for impaling. Uh, a thorn, this word could also be used for a medical instrument, something that would, that would, that would pierce. Uh, another person has said this, the thorn is some, it's a, something sharp and painful which sticks deeply in the flesh. Luther, Martin Luther, the reformer, said that this thorn is something that lends someone to the tendency to despair or to doubt in Christ. Another commentator has said this, what is this thorn? I think this is actually really interesting because may, maybe you're thinking, well, that, what, that was just Paul. I don't know if this applies to me. Listen to this. This one commentator says, the ambiguity of what Paul's thorn in the flesh might be actually allows other people to identify their own personal thorns with Paul's and to appropriate the same theological lesson. In other words, what, when we look at this text, the obsession should not be, oh, well, what, what exactly was this thorn in the flesh? What Was it a physical malady? Was it reminders of uh, Paul's sins in the past? Probably a combination. But the biggest thing is that the reason why there's ambiguity to it is that Paul is actually giving us a principle for us to realize this, that we can have the same hope whenever we have our own thorns in the flesh. Now, it's interesting. You see the connection here in verse 7. A thorn in the flesh was given me, but then he says this, almost explaining what that thorn is. A messenger of Satan to harass me. That word for harass means to torment someone. It implies uh, humiliating violence, one person says. Or I, I, this is actually really fascinating. One person said this, it's the idea of being slapped around. In other words, to be harassed is something that is persistent, something that tends to happen over and over again. Uh, it's, it's something that is more regular um, one person says this, Derek Prime, who is a great pastor, he says, in tempting us, Satan encourages us to doubt the integrity of God's character and promises. If Satan, if he can succeed in his attacks on our faith, we soon fail to live as Christians in other areas of life. When acute problems bother us, he particularly tries to cast doubt upon God's love. That is so key. You notice in the context of how Paul's writing is that he pleaded with the Lord that this thorn, this messenger of Satan, this harassment would leave him. But notice God's answer. The answer of Christ was this, my grace is sufficient for you. In other words, if you read the context, most likely Paul is wondering, Lord, is your grace sufficient for me? Is there something I need on top of you in order to maybe keep my righteousness, earn my righteousness, or continue to grow? Now, when you see this, you see the Lord Jesus is saying, look, my grace 
is totally sufficient for you. Matter of fact, even when you're weak, my grace for you (laughs) is actually making you more dependent upon me who is strong. That is a that's a huge gospel, huge gospel principle for us today because we don't like to be weak. In spiritual warfare, when, when we're really harassed, we feel weak. Here is the glorious truth, a glorious truth of the gospel of grace, is that actually sometimes the Lord allows us to have these seasons so that we can depend upon him more. And depending upon him more always grows us in sanctification, always makes us lean more towards Christ. We're going to be talking about spiritual warfare more and more throughout the next couple of episodes. We'll be talking about what have people in church history said about this? Where do we see it in other texts of Scripture? Probably diving even deeper to into 2 Corinthians 12. We hope you'll join us, and hopefully this uh, whets your appetite a little bit to learn more about how we can lean into the grace of Christ even while we're being attacked. Thank you.